I am a feminist, a descendant of Abraham. Abraham, that patriarch who found within himself the will to raise a blade into that sweet Jerusalem air, inhaled deeply the frankincense and myrrh, and against the backdrop of pomegranates and honeybees, look his sweet boy in the eyes. And while Sarah slept or wept, taught his son what it is to be a man. I am a feminist, a descendant of Abraham, that beloved patriarch who cast out Hagar and Ishmael to bake like dough of the earth, unprotected and shunned, saved only by angels. Today, as we recall uncomfortable stories about the ways in which Abraham was a man in the world, I want to speak to you about what it means to be a Jewish feminist. I want to offer a critique of masculinity rooted in a feminist understanding of Jewish ethics. And I want to share with you a hopeful vision of the kind of world we might create together. Much of this comes from wisdom learned from teachers, mostly women, and I offer them gratitude for the chance to be their student. To explore this, we're gonna spend some time with Abraham, a man who, while in so many ways was good and loving, also deeply mistreated those closest to him and did so as part of his understanding of what it meant to be a husband and a father. But first, a story of my own. When I was 15, sitting in my high school cafeteria and those gorgeous boys on the football team launched milk cartons at my head with the perfect aim of a 17-year-old who owned the universe and called me words that do not belong on this bima. I was not just experiencing an individual moment of violence. Rather, the reality of heterosexism, every anti-gay law and policy and attitude and teaching hit me in the face. It was not just the physical pain or the embarrassment of milk exploding all over me. It felt like centuries of violence and shame crushing me, the result of centuries of boys being trained to be men, being brought up to embody masculinity in that way. My experience is commonplace. I use the example as a way of highlighting a core teaching of feminist theory, which is that the political and social spheres are also deeply personal. I find this notion fascinatingly connected to foundational teachings in Judaism, and I offer you this connection as we pray and learn ourselves into the new year. As I learned at a young age, the idea that the political is personal means that the violence and pain of the world is often expressed in our private lives. As has become excruciatingly clear over the past year of so many coming forward with the powerful words, me too, violence and pain perpetuated by men and masculinity is manifest in the lives of our mothers, 
daughters, sisters, and wives, be they cisgender or transgender, and in the lives of people who don't neatly inhabit the genders our culture tends to recognize. It is manifest in the lives of LGBT people, and yes, it is very much manifest in the lives of men. And so on this Rosh Hashanah, in a year of so many calling out the truah of Me Too, the ethical call from Judaism is for men to find it within ourselves to encounter not only the truth of the countless individual stories, but also critically, the gender system that we have been groomed by and the myriad ways that this system has, without our consent or knowledge, trained us to be upholders and agents of systemic aggression, domination, and even violence. And so, as we move into Rosh Hashanah, let's open an honest conversation about masculinity. It is time for us to talk about male aggression and power, the history of men being trained to be in charge and dominate others in ways as subtle as interrupting women in meetings to ways as obviously horrific as rape, abuse, and murder. It is all connected. After a year in which women we love and women we admire and care about and women we've never met shared so many stories, after a year in which the epidemic of mass shootings, a brutality almost always carried out by white boys and men, continued, and after a year in which prominent male leaders in our own Jewish communities have been accused of sexual harassment and violence against the Jewish women they work with and supposedly serve, we have an obligation in this season of renewal to encounter these truths and commit ourselves to urgent change. I know the language I'm using may feel harsh and dare I say, preachy. I'm taking a risk and trying to find a way to talk about this hard thing with all of you today, and I know I won't get it fully right. But I hope this models that we actually can take risks and make mistakes and learn when it comes to this sensitive topic as part of our move to make things better. Of course, I always welcome your reactions and feedback. It is not my conviction that men are bad. I believe deeply in the blessing Elohai Nishama Shinatata Bi Tohorahi. My God, the soul you have placed within me is pure. Men have been champions of peace, leaders of anti violence movements, and seekers of justice. Men can be good, and it can be very good to be a man. That truth need not prevent us from seeing another truth. We need to build a different future for masculinity. And that goes for all of us. Men who have committed violence and men who have never been close to that horrific edge. The problem of masculinity as it is currently socially constructed is a problem for us all to solve together. 
It is a problem for which all men are culpable and for which all people can offer valuable insights based in their own experience. I want to tell you a story that I learned from my beloved teacher, Rabbi Dr. Rachel Adler, who is one of the foundational thinkers in the space of feminist Jewish theology. In her book, Engendering Judaism, Adler relates a clever Yiddish folktale called Here Comes Skotzel. Once upon a time, women began to resent that men seemed to own the world. Men got to read from the Torah and had all the interesting meets vote and all the privileges. The women decided to present their grievance directly to God. They appointed Skotzel, a clever woman and a good speaker, as their representative. But how was the messenger to be dispatched? They decided to make a human tower. They scrambled up on one another's shoulders and Skotzel began to climb. But somebody shrugged or shifted and women tumbled every which way. When the commotion died down, Skotzel had disappeared. Men went on ruling the world and nothing changed. But still the women are hopeful and that is why when a woman walks into a house, the other women say, look, here comes Skotzel. And someday it might be she. What at first may seem like a disappointing, if quaint, story from a Yiddish-European world can also be read as a subversive feminist text. Adler writes, the storyteller slyly implies that it will be easier to climb into heaven and talk to God than to try to get a hearing from the tradition's human, that is, male, representatives. I share this story because I think Rabbi Adler's take highlights for us an uncomfortable truth. Women have been trying to speak to us about sexism for centuries, and many of us have not listened, and too many of us are still not really listening. How many men in this room have asked the women that you love about their experiences with masculinity, sexism, and male violence? Have you asked the LGBT people you love about what it has been like to walk in their shoes in a world where masculinity and gender norms in general can be deeply punishing to those perceived as its traitors? Do you know those stories? Do you have space in your heart to hear them? The story of Skotzel suggests that it has been easier to imagine climbing into heaven and confronting God than to try to get men to pay attention to this fundamental issue. Let's revisit the story of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, and Isaac. Our Jewish story is, at least in part, rooted in a story of sexism, patriarchy, and male violence. The story of the Akedah is not only a crushing story of a father's treatment of his child, but it is also a shocking representation of a father teaching a boy how to be a man. We continue to teach boys ideas about masculinity that are harmful to women and ultimately to men ourselves. And this training is part of what enables widespread abuse, especially of girls and women. The story of Hagar and Ishmael traditionally read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah with the Akedah being read on the second, is complex 
Sarah and Abraham, unable to have children, bring an Egyptian surrogate into their home to bear a child for them. Eventually, Sarah does get pregnant and gives birth to Isaac, and then asks Abraham to cast out Hagar and their son Ishmael, and he complies. There is so much to unpack in that story, including the pressure on women to bear children, the status of women in a household, and the role of a patriarch. But what is clear in both stories is that this family is entangled in a social structure that has led to pain and hardship for all of them, and that this social structure is one that is deeply informed by particular constructions of gender. How can we, as Jewish men, look inside ourselves to take up an honest reckoning of what we have been trained to be? If those claiming me too are telling truths about the ways in which so many people have experienced male aggression, domination, or violence, then men's work of stepping forward to respond to Me Too requires an honest telling about the ways, more subtle than we can even imagine, that we have been trained to be the perpetrators and enablers of that violence. We men didn't choose this, and we often don't know that we are participating in this system because it is so all-encompassing that we can't even see it. This is part of what makes change so hard. But that inability to see what so many women and LGBT people have been pointing out for so long is what feminists mean when we talk about male privilege the privilege not to notice we are benefiting from injustice. Remember, we are here for these high holy days because Judaism asserts the possibility of serious transformation of ourselves and our world. We're actually here to be uncomfortable and to try and open our hearts to new ways of living and acting. Al lefanecha we have transgressed before you, and I know these words alone will not stop what must be stopped, but I also know that so many men are committed to a process of tshuva, to a process of change, as we commit to altering the future course of the world. I am sorry for all the times I saw a man interrupt a woman mid-sentence and did not point it out and for any time I was that man. I am sorry for every time a man has claimed a woman's idea as his own after she said it, or for the times I have seen a man leer at or grope a woman and ignored it. I am sorry to every woman and girl who fears walking down a street and to every woman who has held up a male leader who has built his false ego on the back of your hard work. I commit to doing whatever I can to put behind us a world in which fathers and brothers and grandfathers and uncles are ever permitted to be private terrorists and secret thieves of dreams. I commit to transforming a reality in which someone could chart, a, chart his way to the highest office in our land while he models the lowest of what it is to be a man. 
we have transgressed before you. We will build a different future for all of us, for every woman, rabbi and CEO and domestic worker and engineer and mom, and for that woman, whoever you are, who will one day be our president, for each and every woman who has looked domination in the face and struggled through, and for each and every woman who silently holds painful and important truths, we will build a different future. We will build it for all of us. For every boy and man who has fought to hold on to his heart and soul, especially when it meant giving up some small amount of that power. For every man who found ways to unlearn the lessons of fathers, and for every man who has faced the violence of other men and let himself weep rather than fight, and who still dared to dream of a world of peace and justice and unity. For all of us, we will build a different future. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world, and the call of the shofar, Tikiyah, calls each of us to give birth to a world in which the violence and domination of yesterday's masculinity is replaced with the sweetness and the strength and the love of what it is to be a man who has listened to the voices of the women and gender nonconforming people in our lives and let ourselves change as a result of that sacred witnessing. Feminist theorist Bell Hooks wrote, feminist thinking teaches us all, especially how to love justice and freedom in ways that foster and affirm life. And that is what we are here for today. We are here to link our imaginations to the redemptive promise in the depth of our tradition. The sweetness of heaven and the peace of the Sabbath are our inheritance. The Tikiagadola is a signal for human liberation. Today we hear a Tikiagadola, a long and piercing and courageous call that invites us to hear the whispers of great-grandmothers, the voices of LGBT ancestors, and the untold stories of those whose names we do not know. Elohe Sarah, Elohe Hagar, Elohe Rivka, Elohe Rachel, Elohe Leah, Elohe Bilhav, Elohe Zilpa. May we all live up to what it means to be children of these women and to accept with joy and gratitude the obligation of carrying forward their most heartfelt, heartfelt visions of who we might be. Shana tova u mituka, blessings for a good and sweet year.